Welcome to the Open Doors live podcast, your window into what following Jesus looks like in some of the darkest places in the world. I'm your host, Jordan, and together we'll meet the persecuted church, gritty, courageous, passionate followers of Jesus from around the globe. We hope these stories remind you that God is doing wild and wonderful things around the world and that you can be a part of it. So this month at Open Doors, we're celebrating impact and the real lives that are changed because of our supporters and our incredible international team throughout the year. And over 7 million Christians in 70 countries have been directly supported because of our supporter network. That's a huge number. And this month, I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of my favorite people from Open Doors, Joe Newhouse. Joe is the head of communications and advocacy uh, for the African continent at Open Doors International. And my favorite thing about talking with her is the depth of insight and wisdom that she brings, not only to the intense needs that are facing believers in Africa, but also the incredible impact that is actually happening on the field through Open Doors staff and local partners. And that's why I wanted to bring her on this podcast so that our incredible listeners and supporters can hear about how their support and prayers are actually making a tangible difference on the ground in the region. So Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much. Wow, what an introduction. That was amazing. Thank you. I feel very warmly welcome. <laughs> you are, I promise. Um, now, we're usually talking online, but today you're with us in person for our first ever gala dinner. So welcome to Sydney and welcome to this beautiful venue. We're currently recording this podcast from the bridal suite of a wedding venue. So thanks for joining me in the bridal suite, Joe. It's very exciting. Thank you. <laughs> uh now, maybe tell us a little bit about you. Uh, what do you do at Open Doors? Where are you from? Uh, and what kind of things do you do, uh, do you oversee in your role? Thank you, Jordan. Yes, so my role is the head of communications and advocacy for the Sub-Saharan Africa region. Um, I grew up in South Africa, moved to Australia around 10 years ago, I'm now living in Adelaide. Um, I'm responsible for creating content and telling the stories of impact and to tell also about the need, you know, of persecuted Christians. So we oversee that. And then also, um, together with the team, try to find ways um, to make a difference so that we don't always just present the need, but that we also look at ways that we can advocate for Christians or equip Christians to advocate for themselves to not only governments, but to influencers on different levels. Those influencers can be a village chief, it could be um, an NGO, it could be someone that controls that area. So we we really want to look at situations from different angles and see what, what is the difference that we can make um, in such situ- situations. So that's basically my role. Um, I take care of Sub-Saharan Africa together with a team. We have a large team of close to 20 people who work um, on a dedicated, uh, in a very dedicated way to not only tell these stories, but when we meet Christians to minister to them. The communications teams and the advocacy teams are, and the research teams are often working very closely together and they are the frontline people. They are first responders, really. Um, and when we hear about incidents of persecution, they are the ones that follow up. They are the ones who go there and, you know, see people face to face shortly after what, you know, incidents happen to them. 
So it's very important for us to be able to appoint people and have people on the team who are ministers of God's hope and peace and love more than they are communicators. So that is my privilege to oversee teams um, to do that. So, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> wow, that's so beautiful. I love that um, the approach is first and foremost ministry when you get up close, you know, to these terrible things that happen to believers in these places. The first instinct is ministry, love, um, compassion, hearing their story, and then being able to share those stories in a way that um, actually empowers people like our incredible listeners who are listening to this right now uh, to be able to actually respond and to stand in the gap and to, um, to not only be aware and informed about what's going on, but also to be able to respond. Yeah. Um, that's an incredible call. How did you actually get into this? What made you so passionate about supporting persecuted Christians in sub-Saharan Africa specifically? You know, I, I have to be honest, I didn't know much about the persecuted church when I joined Open Doors um, more than 20 years ago. Um, I was a nominal Christian, actually, I and, and it was through the persecuted church, through my contact with the persecuted church, that, that God had really stepped into my life and, and changed my life around. Um, it was the example of persecuted Christians of um, staying strong in the midst of the storm, of the way that they faced their difficulties, the way that they struggled with God, um, interacted with God in their difficulties. It was such a conviction to me personally to, to realize that that is a real relationship with a real being, with, with you know, the God of the universe who cares about them and they were engaging with him and I, was, I realized I didn't have that in my life. So the, the Lord really used that. So I was shortly out of university when, um, when I joined and... Yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a really amazing journey for me of learning, just learning from the persecuted church and to offer that connection, to, to learn, to, to be that connection between churches in freer societies and churches that are persecuted and for us to learn from one another. We all have something to bring to this wonderful organism that is, that is the church. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a joy. That is so beautiful because I feel like um, growing up, in Christian environments, I often thought that it's the Christians here that help the Christians there. But it is true, being involved with Open Doors and with the persecuted church, the closer you get, the more you realise actually they're our spiritual mentors <laughs> while we can support them, you know, through some of these projects that we're going to chat about. Um, they actually support us. They give us the courage and the, uh, the inspiration, the conviction and the challenge that we need to actually live faithful Christian lives. Um, so that's, that, that's so incredibly beautiful. And you mentioned sub-Saharan Africa. Um, that is a big region. What exactly is sub-Saharan Africa? Where are the boundaries? Where does it go to? Yeah, so sub-Saharan Africa is, is really just the region be below the Sahara. So it excludes the North African countries like Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, those, those countries in, in North Africa. So it's everything basically from Sudan um, below, you know, if, if you know where Sudan is, if you know where Somalia is, everything below Somalia. Um, so you can draw a line basically from the West Coast, um, Sierra Leone, those countries, um, across to Somalia. So everything below that is sub-Saharan Africa. 
Of course, you know, persecution is not um, that high up in, in all of those countries. Um, it's not a reality in, in, in all of the countries. There are pockets and, and regions that, ha that face more persecution. So it is certainly a very large region. Um, but thankfully, it's not, we don't need to be present in every single country that is um, in that region. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I guess until recently I had the mindset that persecution in Africa must be low because my many experiences in Africa uh, has been of widespread Christianity, huge joyful churches, very vibrant faith. Um, so is persecution in Africa on the rise? It definitely is on the rise. You know, and, and it, I just want to say that it is really true. You know, your, your image of the African church is not wrong. It is a beautiful and a very vibrant um, place. You know, it's a, a very fast-growing community. Lots of missionaries being sent out of Africa. There's lots of beautiful examples of, of you know, faithful churches, strong Bible-believing churches, you know, doing amazing evangelism. And the fact that the church is growing so fast in, in the region is actually one of the contributors to persecution um, in that region. And... There is a, a line, as I mentioned, to the northern parts of um, sub-Saharan Africa and, and, you know, coastal regions along um, the east coast where persecution is definitely on the rise. And um, the new theatre for Islamic militancy is in Africa, and that is part of the persecution reality in Africa. It's unfortunately a huge part of the story. Um, it's a vast place with many different contexts, many different um, realities, different cultures. And, and that really also affects the persecution landscape. So it's, there's not just one story. It's um, a very nuanced kind of persecution landscape that we see in Africa. So definitely it is on the rise. And unfortunately, um, violent persecution is... It, the highest um, in all of the world. Um, the, the highest number of Christians are killed for their faith in, in Africa, which is a very sad reality and a very sad um, statistic. And what we also find is that um, the number of people abducted, the number of people displaced, you know, those are the, some of the highest numbers in Africa. And it's just been climbing and climbing every year. Um, like last year, some of the data for countries in, in the Sahel region, which is kind of a, an area that stretches also across the, the top of, of, of this region. Um, and, and in those countries, um, the persecution was the highest ever, um, the highest it's ever been in, in, um, in 2022. So. so that's countries like Nigeria, Mali, Cameroon, um, Nigeria... Yes. Where else would be included? Is that Central African Republic would would be um, part of that? But yeah, those countries you definitely um, you you nailed it. That's the area. So it's it's West Africa, um, centered around West Africa. Although the Sahel region spreads across the whole region, the Central Sahel region is that area that you spoke about, including Chad, um, and those are the areas where people of very different cultures collide. The persecution landscape there is also made complicated by the fact that it's often mixed in with politics. It's often mixed in with ethnicity, so it is a it is a very difficult um, context to you know when you look at it. There are many different angles to come at it, and there's not one single story there, as I mentioned earlier. So you really have to look at the local context to understand that. But there is no doubt that the persecution is growing.
wow, that's just devastating to hear. And I, um, I know that this world watch list saw Nigeria get its highest score ever. Um, and also get the highest violence score uh, in in the world. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Wow. So um, according to our World Watch research, Nigeria is the most violent place in the world to live as a Christian. Yes, that's correct. Man, how do you practically stay hope-filled in the face of such deep continued need? Yeah, I think, you know, that is something that, that is definitely a danger, you know, that, that one gets so um, overwhelmed by the, the stories of suffering and, and the, the stories of persecution um, that I've been forced to really look at my theology in the first place and then to also um, call to the Lord in, in these situations. And, and I must say um, that's the only thing that keeps us going is the word of God and the promises of the of the um, of the Lord in in His word, and then to see how people in desperate need get helped, um, you know that that remains an amazingly encouraging um, part of of the work that I do. Um, it's it's always very beautiful for me to see that people who go through deepest valleys of persecution come out at the other end, oftentimes con- facing continuous persecution, but to remain hopeful. So their example is, is very good. It, it helps me a lot tremendously in my own walk of faith as well um, to see how God helps people. You know, it's, it's not a work of the person. It's not, it's not human effort. It's not um, people just being stoic. It's a real work of the Spirit, um, to encourage people, to strengthen people, to um, connect people. Um, And I will never grow tired of that reality. I will never grow tired of the amazing um, reality that as real as persecution is, um, the help from the Lord is as real. And he does that through people. And that is just, to me, an amazing reality. It's an amazing hope. Um, yeah, and then the word of God, of course, the work, the word of God brings so much encouragement to us in, in persecution. That's incredible because you will be up close to um, a lot of suffering, but you're also up close to a lot of the impact that's happening. You're up close to what God is doing in people's lives, um, uh, sometimes miraculously um, and then sometimes through our projects and through people. Um, and this month we are celebrating impact, which is one of my favorite times because I just absolutely love uh, having a dedicated and focused time to actually celebrate the incredible things that are happening around the world. Um, and one of my favorite projects is in your region. Would you be able to tell us about some of the impact that you're seeing on the ground in, in sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think, you know, there there's so much, it's hard to choose, but one of my personal favorites is our trauma care program. Um, I really love the trauma care program because it is so integrated. All of our programs are integrated. It's not a hit and run sort of um, intervention that we do. It is, you know, very well thought through. The the problem is analysed from different angles. The solutions then are also found through a lot of consultation with people on the ground with the church. Um, so I just have to say that um, that all of the pro- programs are really well thought through and very well designed. 
the areas where I have seen and where I get to see a lot of impact is in the area of trauma care, where people who have really been affected by trauma on many different levels, you know, it can be a pastor who is totally unaware of the impact of trauma that he's experienced um, on his life and on his ministry. So it's about creating awareness with him to understand his own feelings, to understand his own vulnerabilities, to, uh, to, hear, him, to hear these pastors out, you know, and, and to, to help them understand what they're going through. Um, and then also to, to give more intensive training to people who can be in communities ready to help one another when people go through trauma, that we have um, enough people that we can send to those areas that, that can minister to people on different levels, whether they are women, whether they are children, whether they are men, you know, whatever kind of um, violence or traumatic experiences they faced, that we have a body of people who can offer support in those situations. But it doesn't only stay with those kinds of um, awareness trainings or deeper training or even therapy. We, we do a lot of therapy as well to do intensive cases or cases that need a little bit more intensive care. Um, but we also bring economic help to people um, who, who suffer, um, who have gone through trauma. Very often women are targeted in, in these violent situations and they are... Um, very vulnerable, and the kind of violence that they face is about rendering them hopeless and rendering them helpless. You know, if you kill the husband, the wife is left without any sort of income. Um, she may be raped in the process. So there is, you know, emotionally, physically, there have, things have happened to her that, that would, without any care, would leave her um, extremely incapacitated, not being able to function normally as a, as a human being, um, her faith would be affected. You know, we see this a lot, um, that, that women wonder that, you know, did this thing happen to me because there was something wrong with my spiritual walk? Did, oh. did I, you know, did I get targeted because um, I'm, you know, I'm not following Christ, my, my spiritual life is not as it should be, or, you know, is there another reason that I deserve it to some degree? And um, so we really want to correct that sort of thinking and give long-term help and give long-term understanding and and help these women to, or who, you know, women, men, children, to um, understand that God is in this and that he's close to the brokenhearted and that he is fulfilling his purposes in their lives through the suffering, but that, that the suffering and the trauma is not the end of the road, that there is hope and that there is a future and that we help them to pursue that future um, and a fruitful living, that they don't need to sit in one place and, and just, you know, that that is it, you know, that's the end of their life, but that they can actually take up life again. I remember one story in, in CIR, if, if, if it's okay to share Absolutely. In Central African Republic, there they were a community of women that were targeted um, with sexual violence during the crisis, and, and they had nowhere to go. They were left by their families. They were abandoned by their families because of the shame that was, you know, it's such a, uh, a culture where shame, you know, is rape is shameful, and, um, you know, people cannot function after that again, and they are put out of their societies, and they were huddling together, these women, and they were in terrible state. They hadn't had any medical care, they didn't have any kind of assistance. And we found them there, we took them to, to the doctor, you know, they had medical attention, and then we started a process with them of trauma care, helping them to understand. And then we started socioeconomic 
um, development projects for them, income generating projects for them so that they could start up their lives again. And the amazing thing is, you know, when you go back to these women is, one of my colleagues spoke about the difference that she saw in just one session of, you know, helping people understand what they have gone through, that how their whole demeanor changed, how they would come downcast to the training the one day. And after having understood something about God, his purposes, his hope, you know, something happens to them overnight and the next day they would come back and they would show joy and they would look different. They would be, you know, dress properly and they would be clean and they would, you know, they would be, they would just be different people. And it was it was something about understanding something about what trauma did to them, but that that's not the end of the road. And that's why this is one of my um, absolute favorite projects that we do, um, you know, in, in really helping people to understand that there is hope. You know, I think that is what sets us apart. Um, we, while we are in this world, I don't think we will ever be able to finish. There, there's, there's not going to be an end to persecution. There's not going to be an end to, to suffering. But God is at work in the midst of that. And that is the one thing that gives me hope. And, and the hope is the thing that sets us apart. We have hope. We have a living hope in Christ. And um, that, that is just a, a very precious thing to observe practically in people's lives. Uh, it's, it's a huge privilege to see that. That's amazing. The just the multifaceted impact that hope can actually have on a person. Like you said, their demeanor changes. All of a sudden they experience a level of joy again and they start dressing differently. It's um, it's like persecution when you don't understand what's happening to you can feel like all hope is lost. And yet because of eternity and because of the closeness of Jesus, we can actually experience hope in the midst of that terrible pain that they that they experience. And I just love that the trauma care and the microloans, they they're they're about hope. They're about restoring hope. It's not just the practical, you know, we're gonna help you process some of these emotions so you can be you know, a, a, a functional part of society again. It's actually about restoring hope and, and healing hearts. Is there a particular personal story that stands out to you as a picture of impact in the region? Yeah, I mean, there are amazing stories. Um, one story that really touched me is the story of Verlaine. It's, to me, almost there, there's a this symbolism in her, in her story. Um, she was one per woman who was targeted with sexual violence and her husband was brutally murdered. Um, in a in the crisis in Central African Republic, and it was to me one of those stories that what happened to her was so brutal and so violent that we couldn't even write the details of that. We couldn't write it down. That is how terrible the thing was that she lived through. Um, and what what was amazing for me of Verlaine is the moment we got involved with her, there was a pastor that we had equipped to understand what trauma was and what trauma did to people. And he had the vision and he, he, when we did the training, he really caught the vision and he really felt this was his calling. And he went out and he, you know, he was ministering in people. There was no one that paid him for his work. It was just him knowing that God had called him to minister to people in the midst of excruciating circumstance. You know, this is so convicting to me. 
And this pastor came across her and he, he just started doing these, you know, study with her, Bible study with her, encouraging her, helping her to understand her own trauma. And then eventually, you know, we, our involvement with her grew to the point where Verlaine was so equipped that she could build her own house. Um, she what? took up life again and she she baked her own bricks and she rebuilt her house for her and her children. Oh and she lived, you know, she started living a fruitful life again. And that building of that house after that terrible thing that happened to her and the, the beautiful orchestra of assistance that came to her is one of the standout stories for me. And the beautiful part of it is that it's not an isolated story. It's a story of, you know, many people are affected. It's a story of many successes. We, we have had people at our trauma center in Nigeria who, you know, it's an entire family that was affected by terrible violence. You know, they not only saw terrible things, they experienced terrible things. And for them to come to the trauma center as a family and to find healing as a family, for that unit to be complete, for that unit to be whole, for the husband not to put his wife out of the house and to say, well, you were raped and you can't be here, or for the father to turn his back on his daughters, for us to be part of that that healing journey of that entire family, um, that is you know, one of the most beautiful and encouraging things for me. I have to also go to the story of Pastor Jean from DRC. You know, um, this is a story that we heard recently. DRC is the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Yes, that's yep. correct. Thank you. Um, he he felt really called to a very volatile region of of the country where there were a lot of attacks, and he had him and his family thought that, you know, this is, God has called us to this area, we are we are going to minister in this region. And it wasn't long before they were attacked in that region. And the, it was overnight, they were in their house and, and the attackers were around them and people were being killed around them and they were just crying out to God. And at some point, Pastor Jean started almost debating with God. And he was like, but you called us to this area. I really felt like you called us here. I don't understand what's happening. We are going through this. And, you know, it, it was this conversation ongoing. He testifies of, you know, how he really wondered what's happening here. And by um, some miracle, they survived this attack. And afterwards, he, he went through such difficulties. He felt that he couldn't show his vulnerability to his church members. He couldn't show that he was really struggling with what was happening. His wife had been traumatized terribly, and she was really struggling on a physical level with the trauma. She was... Having seizures, she was. It was like he was witnessing all of this in in the lives of his congregation. He was witnessing it in the lives of his wife and his children, and he really didn't know how to cope with it. And open doors came, and you know we were able to give trauma care to him and to his family and help him on this journey. And and his testimony is also, you know, that it was the first time that he really felt heard and and that people understood what he was going through. And you know, everyone looks at you know the most vulnerable of society, which is great. Um, but what about the pastors? The, the, you know, the people that are there to minister to, you know, where we can't be. They are there. They remain there. They are in that situation. They are called into those situations and, and they do an amazing work. So I just really love how this trauma care or any of our programs target people on different levels. It's not only for the pastor. It's not only for the, the woman. It's not only for the child. You know, it's for all of them. And it's it brings wholeness not only on a family level but also on a you know, 
spiritual family level, on the, the body of Christ. Um, it brings you know, healing on, on all of those different facets. So that is what, what I really love about um, impact. You know, speaking about celebrating impact, I think is, it's about celebrating impact in the lives of all of God's people, you know, whether, whatever their role in the church is. Um, there is impact there, and, and that is a blessing. That's such a privilege to observe as well. Like you said, as you are speaking, just how integrated it is because there's the trauma care that the pastors are learning so that then they can implement it for their congregation. And then there's counselling for pastors, getting the pastors together so that together they can process their pain. And um, and then there's specialised therapy for people that have been through specifically horrific things that need extra care. Um, that might actually be taken to uh, a special recovery place where they can get the space and the healing that they need. It really is so multi-layered and um, and deep and so incredibly beautiful. So for open door supporters who might give regularly, they might um, they might have just tuned into this podcast and this is the first podcast they've ever listened to, or or maybe they they've been supporters for years or prayer warriors with us for years, um, but maybe have never thought about where their support is going. What would you say to Open Doors supporters? Well, I just want to say that um, you know we are a body, and the body needs one another. And I just want to thank you for being there for your persecuted brothers and sisters, um, for praying for them, for giving when you can, um, and to be, be assured, you know, that it, it's making a difference in people's lives. You know, on on so many different levels. You know. Um, it's it's about this spiritual connection with people and 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 this organism working in in some mysterious way and and, and the way that prayer works that that you know would we ever understand how God uses prayer would we ever be able to figure it out but He does and He you know you're very much part of of that healing process that that are coming to people and um, you know it it may feel like not a lot for you, but it is making a tremendous difference in, in someone's life, um, you know, in, in such a tangible way. Um, we think that, you know, when we when there's discipleship or, or when we teach someone about trauma, it's not very practical. Maybe, you know, you, it's not a, a tangi- tangible thing that you deliver to someone. But the difference it makes to, the, to their life is, um, you know, for years and years and years, it keeps them going. Um, it, it gives people the way to to live their life in their context, to to live out the gospel in the marketplace of life, you know, even if they are an unwanted minority, even if they are being persecuted, it gives them the tools to be able to live out Christ in their circumstance. And in whatever small way, you know, you contribute to that or big way, it's making a a tremendous difference in people's lives. And, you know, I I cannot overemphasize this, you know, it's such a spiritual... Um, activity um, to support the persecuted church. You know, they are part of us. It's, it's, it's. They are re- our representative there. Together, we are present in a, in, in very um, strategic areas of Africa, and we are helping the gospel to grow. We are helping the church to grow, and we are helping Christians to do that in the midst of difficulty. That they don't cower, that they don't step away, but that the gospel continues to grow. Um, I don't know what more to say about that reality. It is a tremendous privilege for us all to be one part together and in heaven we are going to celebrate together. What what better uh, 
thing there is to a party there is to look forward to. You know, we, we're all going to see each other in heaven, you know, if we don't see each other in this world. And, and we are going to celebrate Christ together and we are going to celebrate what was done um, together. You know, I, 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 I'm just excited about that. I'm excited about the hope and the future that we get to deliver. Um, and the, you know, the practical help that we bring to people and, and to help them to remain standing. Um, it should never be underestimated. So beautiful. Joe. will you pray for us um, as we wrap up our time together um, for our listeners, but also our very strong and brave um, persecuted family in sub-Saharan Africa and for everyone who's involved in the projects there that are just giving their lives, our local partners who just go to the ends of the world um, to help vulnerable people. Um, would, you, would you pray for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, we are just so tremendously thankful that we can be part of your family, that you have saved us, that you have called us, and that you make us part of your body, a, a living organism, where if the, the foot hurts, the whole body knows it and feels it um, and the one part can't say to the other part that I don't need you we are all part of that and, and we are just so thankful that we can experience this on, in a very practical way we thank you for your church father in um, sub-saharan Africa we thank you that you continue to build your church in the midst of very difficult and challenging circumstances we thank you that your testimony is going out that Jesus is being proclaimed and that people are being saved. Um, we thank you that one reason there is so much persecution is because your church is growing. And what a joy that is to know that people are coming into a living relationship with you. Father, but the realities that our brothers and sisters face in sub-Saharan Africa, in certain regions, is very difficult. We know that they are oftentimes unwanted. We know that they are oftentimes violently persecuted. We know that they are oftentimes targeted with abduction, with sexual violence, with marginalization, um, and their very lives are threatened. Thank you that none of these circumstances are outside of your knowledge, that you, all-knowing God, um, are well aware of the circumstances that they face and that you use your church around the world to bring encouragement and support, much-needed support, to your children. Um, thank you that we can observe and witness your working in your children's lives and that we can be edified also by this example, by this seeing it practically, how you work in the lives of people, how you bring hope and practical help to people in desperate need. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate your church, and thank you that we can celebrate your, your help and your um, hope that you bring to the church. We never want to lose that hope, Father. Would you continue to build it into our lives? Would you continue to nurture that hope in our lives, not um, just by the things that are comfortable in our lives, but also maybe being confronted with difficulty. May we follow the example of our persecuted brothers and sisters um, in holding tightly to you in the midst of persecution. Would you protect each field worker that goes out, often in the midst of 
dangers um, to minister to your children? Would you be with them? Would you protect them? Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them a timely word to speak to people in difficulties, even when they feel that they have no words? Would you use their presence as a message from you, a message of hope from you, that you see and that you care and that you are involved and that you provide on a daily basis? Oh, Father, how we need that, how we need you to be present and clear and visible in those circumstances. And would you um, also raise up um, support for that and, and help us to to be part of that, that picture, um, also for our own um, upliftment. We glorify you, Lord, and we want what we do to be glorifying to you. And would you do that? Um, also through the words that we have spoken here. Would you glorify yourself in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Oh, Joe, thank you so much. E everyone who's listening right now knows exactly why I love chatting with you so much because everything that you have shared is just so powerful and just centres me and hopefully the listeners too just... Um, that our eyes are fixed on eternity. They're fixed on um, <clears throat> what matters most, um, which is Jesus. When everything else is shaken away, um, he's all that remains. And when everything's stripped away, um, he's it. And what an incredible invitation to just, um, like that beautiful story you shared earlier, to just um, rebuild brick by brick, um, just rebuild that home and um uh, you know, in the, the trauma that we face in our own lives, but um, for our for the most persecuted um, uh, believers in the world, uh, in places like Nigeria, sub-Saharan Africa, um, where they face violent persecution, that um, we'd be able to come alongside them and um, help them make the bricks and help them rebuild um, uh, brick by brick and, and rebuild their home and, and restore hope. It's such a beautiful invitation and um, one that that I don't take lightly. Um, so thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. Um, as I mentioned uh, to our listeners this month, we are celebrating the widespread impact, um, not only in sub-Saharan Africa, but all around the world, that supporters like you are having the very real impact, um, just like Joe has shared earlier. And we have a beautiful magazine that's got beautiful stories and also some stats uh, to show the impact that you are having on the field in places like sub-Saharan Africa. And we're giving these beautiful magazines away for free. So you can grab your free copy of our um, Impact magazine on the show notes of this episode. And you can also get it through the link on our Instagram bio um, and through the homepage of our website, which is opendoors.org.au. And while you're there, um, stick around. You can discover some more stories of impact. You'll even find some, uh, some more from sub-Saharan Africa. Um, so, yeah, we would love for you to uh, see the depth and the width and the breadth of the impact that you're having on the global church. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll have to get you back on the podcast very soon. Thank you, Jordan. It was a huge privilege. God bless you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast, your window into what following Jesus looks like in some of the darkest places in the world. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. 
For more information on our work, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz.